Please pray with me. Lord, I pray that as I speak today, that it would be mostly you speaking into our hearts and minds and preparing us to follow you closely. In the name of Jesus. A few years ago, there was a book that was uh, written by um, Ruder Bregman called Utopia for Realists. And it was talking about really when you think about the whole of history, we are practically living in a state of utopia, that we have unprecedented economic prosperity and um, access to consumer goods, and that we've made such gains in health that you know, we've, uh, the life expectancy has increased, that overall, no matter where you live in the, in the world almost, uh, there's been a huge increase in childhood survival. And there our connectedness has actually been such a help in creating more democratic governments. We have access to electricity. The World Wide Web has given uh, unprecedented access to communication, even in the most rural areas in the world. And so it's really interesting to read Psalm 16 with that perspective and say, truly, the lines have fallen for us in pleasant places. Psalm 16 is often seen as the, the typical psalm of contentment that we read. So we could read that psalm and see really truly this is a place where God has called us to. And yet in that garden, there was also a serpent and or a fly in the ointment, if you like. That economic prosperity actually came with an incredible degree of inequality so that there were millionaires and billionaires who were worth more than entire nations making decisions that affected millions of people. We came to realize that that economic engine was also cooking our world and we were basically cooking in our own soup the, the consequences for global warming. And even though yes, there were many gains in health, we now had an epidemic of chronic disease that was eating up half of our public budgets just trying to cope with the, the new um, approaches to, to disease. And in fact, we were realizing that there was an epidemic of mental health illness that was especially affecting our youth. And that connectedness, rather than bringing people together, seems to have resulted in these little bubbles of information where people only talk in their own little worlds and has created an incredible sense of divisiveness. In the middle of all this, we had the pandemic, which kind of made us feel this collectiveness in everything that was happening. And we watched in horror in front of our screens as we saw so many um, images being played over and over again about systemic injustice against people of color. As we saw, um, you know, identity politics at a fever pitch, people just kind of yelling at each other. And then, you know, in our uh, own backyard, there were unmarked graves of indigenous children in which the church was implicated. And also it was just an incredible place of pain. So today's readings, as we uh, seem to make sense in that context, there's this sense of foreboding, a sense of tribulation coming. And I want to spend a little bit of time with that, but also just looking then to see, can we read Psalm 16 with integrity instead of just a sense of irony? So how can today's readings provide us with a sense of hope? What is the gospel in these dark times? 
rather than just being an impending mirror, a mirror of impending doom. I want to just start off uh, with a brief overview of the text. I'm kind of using what was read today as a little keyhole into which we can understand their context. So in Daniel 1 to 4, actually the whole chapter was our reading for today, but I just took that one piece, but we have this reference to a time of trouble. And uh, we sort of get a sense that there's a heavenly conflict going on. And then there's the comfort to Daniel, but your people will be delivered. And then they will be followed a time of judgment. And so this is actually, it's important to understand that Daniel 12, which we read today, was the end of a series of revelations that started in, um, in chapter 7. And it was a, attached to the many times and places that were happening. And in fact, the word that appears in our gospel reading today is, um, actually, we can take the PowerPoint off if you don't mind. Thank you. The, the, the reading that we had today in Mark about the abomination of desolation is mentioned four times in Daniel before then. So it's related to the, the daily sacrifice in the temple. And the uh, Daniel is often, well, is very much a prophetic book because Daniel perceived in his time of exile that the Babylonian exile would last 70 years, and it did. And then so the mention of the abomination of desolation was often thought to have referred to the time when under the um, Epiphanes, Antiochus Epiphanes, there was actually a desecration of the temple in Jerusalem by the offering of a pig on the altar that started the Maccabean revolution that ended up, uh, that we now celebrate with as Hanukkah. And after the Maccabean revolution, there was a new institution of a line of kings and priests. And there was a sense at one point that this was the restoration of Israel. But 200 years later, when Jesus is preaching in Galilee and in Judea, there is a sense that the restoration didn't really happen. We have a, we're still a colony under the Roman rule. We have this puppet king and a line of priesthood that many thought was not legitimate. And so when Jesus was talking about the coming of the kingdom, it, it felt quite subversive and exciting all at the same time. But his, his message today about the desolation kind of must have really rung true with some people saying, when is this going to happen? It's important to see this uh, talk that what he's saying in the context of the whole chapter, because in fact, it's part of Jesus' shocking response to his disciples' admiration of the temple. They were walking through the temple and saying, isn't it beautiful? And Jesus says to them, I tell you the truth, not one stone will be left upon another. And so the disciples were pretty shocked by this and said to him afterwards, when is this going to happen? And what are the signs that it's going to happen? And Jesus says and begins to teach them, he says, nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places and famines. But these are just the beginning of the birth pangs. And he goes on to tell them that they will be brought before the courts, they will be persecuted, and they will have an opportunity to witness to him, but that they should prepare for persecution. And then we see the note, the message about the abomination of desolation. He says, when you see this coming, flee. So it's like creating this sense of anticipation, you know. And then he says, he goes on to say, after that tribulation, the, the sky, the sun will be darkened, the stars will be darkened, there will be great powers shaken in heaven, and then you will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory, which is a direct reference to actually what uh, Daniel 7. 
And then finally, he ends saying, uh, giving the example of saying, this is like a master who's going away and leaves his servants in charge. So be alert, be on your guard, be at your post so that when the master returns, you will not be caught sleeping. So this is the whole context of the chapter. And Jesus says various times over and over again, be on your guard, be alert to the signs, be awake. So what is it we should be awake to? What are the signs we're supposed to be reading? And I think that there's been a, long, a strong temptation to try to break the code, figure out where we are in the end times. That's the church I grew up in. We had big charts and we could figure out exactly where we were. And uh, I'm not going there. I, I just want you to know that that's, I'm not gonna try to decode where we are and who's the antichrist and so on. Um, what I really want to, uh, partly because I, I don't actually have any insight on that. And secondly, because scripture actually warns us against it. Jesus at the very end of Mark 13, um, he says, as to the hour and day, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, not even the son of man, but only the father. And so we, uh, we, we're not going to try to go there, and yet somehow we need to be armed for the fact that we are facing possibly difficult times. And as I was trying to think about this thing, like, so what is God's message to us today? That's sort of the gift and the terribleness of the lectionary that you get a reading and you're like, okay, what do I do with this, you know? <laughs> and so I, as I was thinking about it, I thought, there's no escaping from the fact that there is a really deep and scary message here. And please, I hope that I um, am saying the right thing. Um, it's been heavy on me this, this whole time. I feel like we, are, we have to face the fact that there is uh, evil and sin. And we're aware of that as Christians in our own lives. We've come to a place where we've experienced God's forgiveness. But sometimes I think we don't often think enough about the systemic evil that is out there, what scriptures calls principalities and powers. And this is organized systems of evil. Daniel had very graphic images of these as beasts. And in fact, we were exposed to that last year when we were reading Revelation, some absolutely wild pictures of beasts. And what that tells us is that these principalities and powers are highly organized and that they are intention, they have a clear intention. I was really helped by the book, uh, Gary Hogan, he wrote a book called The Good News About Injustice. And I found his uh, definition of injustice and evil really helpful. He, he says that it's an abuse of power. Evil is essentially when you have the capacity to abuse power for your own interests above the interests of others and you do it systematically. And he said, we are wrong to think, to underestimate the power of systemic and institutional evil. It is very powerful, it is very systemic. And yet at the same time, we're wrong to think that it's absolutely powerful. And that is really the good news of the message today. The poetic images in scripture tell us of a cosmic drama in the heavenlies, where there is the kingdom of, of light pitted against the kingdom of darkness with humans who stand at the center able to make a decision from their own free will as to whether they will submit to God's sovereignty and trust him or to give into their own self-interests and that thereby participate in the kingdom of darkness. 
So when Jesus says, be aware, be on your guard, I think that a lot of it is about how to be aware of how evil manifests itself institutionally. But actually, as I was thinking about those different manifestations this week, what was most sobering to me was to realize that my own, every time I choose my own self-interest, every time I'm seduced by power, I'm actually participating in that, that I would do that. Horrifying for me to realize that if I was in exactly the same position as my colonial ancestors were uh, when they conquered Latin America, I probably would have done exactly the same thing because we consistently choose our old self-interest and our desire for power above all. And part of the pain of 2020, I think for me, was just the extent to which this was a collective awakening for all of us to realize the extent to which there is systemic injustice, systemic deceit, systemic self-interest, and the sense of like, what do you do in the face of a warming earth? So what is the message of hope? I'm getting there. What is the message of hope in all of this? I want to go there quickly. The first thing for Daniel, Daniel had a message of hope. And the first message of hope for Daniel was that every single earthly power, every principality and power, no matter how ugly the beast, how intentional, it is all temporal and temporary. It all comes to an end, every single one. Alexander the Great died in his 40s, for goodness sakes. You know, he wreaked great havoc and then died in his 40s. The second good news is that ultimately they are under judgment because God is sovereign. And we saw that today in our reading. And the other piece of good news for Daniel is that God's covenant is never broken by the tribulations that are being faced by his people. Never. That the promise of delivery is always there. I think that that message was really reinforced through our trip through Revelations last year. And Trevor took us on that journey because he said that God, he really knew that God was preparing us, that we were ready for this, and that nothing was outside of God's providence, not even a pandemic. But in Revelations, there's actually added good news, and that's where we want to sort of go today. The added good news is not only that every institution will be judged and comes to an end, but actually that the end is restoration, that that is where we're heading. We're heading to a new earth and a new heaven. And the best news of all is that the Lion of Judah, who is bringing that about, was the lamb who was slaughtered. Now, who can understand that? So I want to just spend a teeny bit of time reflecting on that mystery. And language is not adequate. And my brain is not adequate to capture this. But I feel like I want to just take the time to meditate on the fact that the infinite and eternal God entered time and space as a human being. Jesus lived on earth an impeccable life, fulfilling in thought, word, and deed the whole law of God. In his life, he demonstrated that he had authority over disease and death and evil. He even conferred that authority on his followers, which is astounding. 
he proclaimed the soon arrival of the manifestation of the reign of God. It created such anticipation and excitement in the people, but it also put him up against the principalities and powers, the religious, political, and social principalities and powers that convened together to torture him and put him to death by crucifixion. Indeed, the day of his crucifixion was a dark day, both literally and figuratively. It must have felt like the end of the world. And it was the end of the world. It was the end of the world as we know it because Jesus did something that day that has changed forever the world as we know it and can know it. Jesus was not just another victim of systemic injustice. He was doing something intentional. When he was arrested, his disciples came and tried to defend him. And he said, put away your swords. I have at my command legions of warrior angels. They are waiting for me to say the word and they will come and defend me. But he didn't. He chose this. He succumbed to the powers and principalities. Why did he succumb to a system that was so abusive and outright twisted that it would nail human beings to stakes of wood and let them suffocate slowly through the work of breathing against the weight of their own body, hanging on impaled hands and feet? What kind of a system does that to people? It's really hard for us to enter into this and to sit with the discomfort of the Son of God doing that and to know that he did that for it by choice. But this was the human being who made the choice to obey God no matter what the cost and who for the love of human humanity and all of us hung there Scriptures told us, tell us that he did this because he took on us, on himself, the judgment that belonged to us. That as he died, not only did he endure the incredible pain from his body, but he was actually endured the pain of being separated by God because he accepted for himself the, the, the horror and pain of humanity. The epistle reading for today in Hebrews says, when Christ offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, then he sat down at the right hand of the God, waiting for that time until his enemies should be made a footstool for his feet. By a single offering, he perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. That's us. So the reality is, and we're here today because we've in some way experienced the reality of Jesus doing this in our lives. But there's another reality that I want to remind us about today, and that is that he also death, he also dealt a death blow to the temporary authority of evil. The verdict on evil was sealed, just as Daniel prophesied. So the message of hope from today's scripture is that although institutional evil is real, Jesus' crucifixion and rep resurrection represents not only the certainty of judgment for institutional evil, but also the restoration of all institutions. And we're called to be part of that somehow. That's what doctrine teaches us. So in finishing, I will finish. Um, I want to 
my biggest struggle this week was trying to move from this as an intellectual ascent to something that would arm me on the inside to be able to face what it is we have to do, which is Jesus told his disciples, you will be called to speak boldly against this. Sometimes you may be called to flee, Some, but there is a response that we have to this, and we're called to stay at the posts where God has called us. So how can we move from intellectual ascent to a deep knowing that creates in us a capacity to be aware without despairing, to speak boldly without stridency, and to carry on the work that we've been called to with endurance, faith, and hope. I want to return now to Psalm 116. I love that verse where he says, I will praise Yahweh who gives me counsel. Even in the night, it said before, my, my heart instructs me. But in fact, in the scripture, it says my kidneys instruct me. But what I mean, what I think is about this, like my inner organs, my, you know, my guts, all of that is a way that God can speak to me. And I have not slept very well this week. <laughs> because I was like, enough instruction already, can you stop? So, but I will, I do want to share with you. I felt like the Lord was instructing me so that I could share it with you. I want us, just as ending this meditation, I'm going to invite us to actually go deep into almost the physical sensation of the time when the Lord has touched us as a way of creating a deep certainty for facing future and institutional evil. Recall a time when you said to the holy God, the sovereign of the universe, Abba, with a startling recognition that you actually have the right to do that, that it feels actually right to say, I am loved by you. Remember what that feels like physically in your heart, your breath, that realization. And from Romans 8, we affirm that God's spirit bears witness to our spirit that that is true, that we are legitimate children of God. And from that same place of recognition of God's gracious law, know that Jesus has passed judgment over institutional evil. They stand condemned. He is a righteous God. And that ultimately the world will be put to rights through what Jesus has done. There is no evil that is beyond the reach of what Jesus has accomplished through his death and resurrection. It's so good to be here today in song and worship. And I just want you to think of a time when you experience that deep sense of well-being in worship from the witness that you have a privilege of honoring Jesus as sovereign and Lord. And from that place of recognition of joy and certainty, be certain that one day every knee will bow and every tongue confess that he is Lord to the glory of the sovereign of the cosmos. I want you to think of an answered prayer. The thing about answered prayer is that it's always a temptation to think it was a fluke, random, did I, was the diagnosis right, whatever. 
step into the faith of recognizing an answered prayer. Allow yourself to feel the physicality of gratefulness in your whole being, the deep breath of relief, the cramp of joy. And with that same sense of knowing, that know in your heart that God hears the cries of the oppressed and he will put all things to rights. From that place of certainty, engage in prayers of intercession for the oppressed. Engage in prayers of repentance and penitence, knowing that he forgives. It's from this stance of feeling, feeding and watering those mustard seeds of faith and certainty that Jesus has done for us, that we can speak boldly without stridency, that we can with faithfulness and endurance stay at our post, working for the restoration, understanding, being alert to the master. Finally, I want to say that uh, maybe we could do Psalm 116, Lesson 16 up there. I, I just wanna leave this as a, as a final exercise that as we say, I would encourage you to say Psalm 16, understanding that Jesus said it, that we can read the Psalm because Jesus said this. And if we could go to the next one that, you know, he was able to say to him, oh, Yahweh, you are the choice portion of my inheritance and my cup. You hold my destiny in your hand. The lines of the lots have fallen in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a lovely inheritance. You know, Ephesians tells us that we are his inheritance, that for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising its shame. And so we can bless Yahweh who gives us counsel even in the night. We set Yahweh before us because he, because he's at my right hand, I will not be dislodged. We can say that because Jesus was dislodged for our sake. And that has given us the freedom to move on. And then finally, I just, the ends, you know, my heart is glad, my glory rejoices, even my body rests secure for you will not abandon my soul to Sheol, nor permit your holy one to see decay. We cannot think of anything but Jesus when we say this, to know that he is letting us know the path of life because he is the path of life. He's opened a new and living way to the throne of grace that we can enter with confidence. And in his face, in his presence, we have fullness of joy. And in his right hand is bliss forevermore. I'm sorry, do I have time? One minute, two minutes, okay. As we move into prayer, I wanna encourage you to think about one of those times and say in the hearing of your ears, and maybe even the ears of your neighbor, it doesn't have to be out loud, but just say in the hearing of your ears, one of those moments of certainty that you know that you were touched by God, that he's witnessing, his spirit is witnessing to your spirit. And from that place of certainty, I also invite you to lift up the names of all the pain in the world the places where you see institutional evil, systemic injustice and pain, and just lift those to the Lord with a certainty that everything is in his hands.
for those of you who are on Zoom, please feel free to unmute yourself and we don't need to hear exactly what you're saying, but just, just say it in your ears and in our hearing that the Lord has, you've experienced the Lord's redemption. <laughs> 